Okay. Um, so, I, so I, I hear what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. That you you kind of you kind of naturally read those those things in a metaphorical right, way, right? And I think part of that is because we're essentially building from a different foundation. Mm-hmm. So, you're 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 essentially starting with the Quran and sort of Islamic orthodoxy as the foundation and sort of right. building backwards. Right. Whereas if I'm taking these texts, right, and sort of building forwards from there, then then we kind of hit a sort of clashing point about yeah. uh, what's different here. Right, right. So I, I guess, I, I guess, right, so, so this, this is something that's, that I, I think, that I hope you can have some sort of empathy on. Mm-hmm. For, for, for some extent that's a, that's a weird way to say it <laughs> I don't want it it sounds emotionally manipulative but <laughs> you can, I don't want it to be that way right so you as a you know you as a Muslim right mm-hmm. you know Joseph Smith uh, the prophet of Mormonism mm-hmm. you know comes and says okay I saw a you know revelation I had I saw an angel in the woods when I was praying mm-hmm. and he gave me this book the book of Mormon and um, you know I'm I'm a prophet, and this is this is kind of the way things are. And you know, God is in fact not just one; He's not eternal. He was once a man on another planet um, who you know earned His godhood mm-hmm. um, by um, being a good man, mm-hmm. and then you can be on your way to being God by being a good man as well, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, both of us would um, you know would come would come across that and think, well, no, absolutely right. not. Right. And why? Because God has revealed himself. Right. And the way God has revealed himself precludes that. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you so for you, right, um, God entering into creation as Jesus is um, precluded because of various verses in the Quran and the Hadith. Um, whereas, you know, if you start from Genesis, right, you go through the prophets I, I, there, doesn't, there doesn't seem to be the same disconnect, right? Mm-hmm. That seems to be entirely consistent with what's written down. If you don't have these sort of, you know, if you don't have the sort of extra thing saying, no, this is in no way possible. Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, like God's attributes, God's being, his essence doesn't change, right? Now, that's the perspective that we're coming from. That, again, going back to, like, what is it that we can understand about God that, that, uh, um, sh- keeps that divinity and that divine uh, concept of, of God intact, right? Um, and so when you have that divine concept, then we say, well, how do we also apply our logic and logically understand who God is, right? So like logic is not the primary source of uh, foundational creed, right? But it can be used, right? And so it's not, we're also not like devoid of logic, right? You had like within the Muslim world, you had, Pretty early on, you had an, another sect that came up, um, you know, and this is, you know, they were probably within the first couple of hundred years uh, after the Prophet Muhammad passed away, right? So, so pretty, pretty, the Mu'tazilites, right? The Mu'tazilites, right? So they put logic above revelation, uh, and they were some of them in their extreme were willing to even reject revelation, like Quranic revelation, if it didn't make logical sense to them, right? And we say, no, you can't do that. If once the revelation is there, now your logic has to be based on that, right? Right. And so uh, the, the 
who God is, right, is, is that he cannot be, there cannot be any type of limitations. And so we view any type of like physical nature to God being a type of limitation because that resembles his creation and he does not resemble any of his creation, right? So therefore anything that would show a resemblance uh, will need to be given a metaphorical interpretation of that, right? And now like if in the, in the, the way we view um, past scriptures is so we say like we believe in the past scriptures, of course, right? Um, and very fundamentally, like it towards the end of Surah Al-Baqarah, the second chapter and the longest chapter of the Quran, um, a, a number of things are highlighted as to like what our beliefs are, right? So he says like, And it goes on, right? That the messenger and all those that have believed, they believe in God and they believe in his books, right? Mm-hmm. Different scriptures. So uh, the books being the four main books, right? What was revealed to the Prophet Muhammad, what was revealed to David, uh, Moses and Jesus, right? And then beyond that, there's scriptures, right? So like even the Quran gives reference to scriptural texts uh, given to Prophet Abraham and so on and so forth. But the books were these main ones. Now, when it comes to um, the past scriptures, if it's not in a court, if it's not, if it doesn't follow the same theme or if certain aspects of it don't follow the same theme, then our understanding of that is that those are either misinterpreted or altered or so on and so forth. And so we don't have like the form that we have the scriptures currently uh, as Muslims, we don't do an outright rejection entirely of them, but we will say that those things that are not in in accordance with these, with this concept of like monotheism in the way that the prophet Muhammad taught it, um, either there was an alteration or a misunderstanding or misinterpretation or something to that that effect, right? And so that's why even like we'll look at, um, you know, you had individuals that were alive even during the time of the Prophet Muhammad that were Jews or Christians that became Muslim or that were even like monks or rabbis. And, you know, it's like some of the priests and scholars of the religions Mm -hmm. that became Muslim. And so they would bring a lot of uh, uh, stories and texts about the previous prophets and messengers. And the approach to that was, you know, uh, in a similar fashion that that we won't outright reject the uh, everything that they're saying that has not been mentioned specifically in the Quran, and the Hadith, but only those things that don't make uh, that that are not in accordance with it. So even in many of our talks or classes, we will reference some of those things that those individuals brought out or even stories that maybe like we don't have a recording of like, you know, uh, an individual like Kabul Ahbar, who was a rabbi that became Muslim. He met the Prophet Muhammad, but he became Muslim after his death. And he lived amongst the companions, even if it wasn't something that he mentioned, right? So it might be a story that perhaps like you bring to me, for example, right? Um, I might even mention some of that, right, in mm-hmm. classes or whatnot and say like, look, these are taken from, you know, many times we call them like is- Israeli riwayat, Israeli narrations, right? Mm-hmm. So Israeli narrations and of the people of Israel and whatnot. Um, and so we'll say, you know, our, our belief in it is not definitive, but these are, you know, things that they don't go... For, depending on what the story is, it doesn't contradict anything within our belief system. Um, uh, but we're not going to hold on to it as though it's like, okay, like if you don't believe this, then this is a big problem with our, within your faith or something like that. Right. 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 Yeah. So, it, so, but again, the foundation, right. Uh, and we both agree with how we use logic, right. Right. That logic is good, but it has to be set based on calibrated by the parameters of what God himself has revealed. So really, I think the central issue between Christianity and Islam is not so much a logic issue, but it all, all comes down to what God has actually spoken. Right. Um, because God could speak, could say, reveal himself in a way that says, I have no limitations, I have no parameters, um, 
I can manifest myself physically in the world. That does not affect my parameters. And all we can do as is, is creatures is, is say, okay, right? right. So it's, it's, it's simply a question of what God actually has spoken. Right. What has he said? What has he intended by by those things and that's where we look at okay well what was what was the intended meaning what's the manifestation of it right that's where the whole discussion is right so i, I think it'll be a because like so much of what you're saying like those stories resonate um not some of them yeah I may, I may have heard from other christians but just from our own uh our own books right and muslim books and whatnot um uh, a lot of them are, are similar maybe some slight differences here and there right um and so it just comes down to like okay well what's the interpretation of that then right or like the manifestation of that, you know, what might that have been and so on and so forth. And that's why, like, even for us, like, so when we talk about um, the Quran and its understanding, uh, we really f- focus, try to focus a lot on or the original, the original Arabic, mm-hmm. because even a change in language will, can completely offset and throw off, like, what meaning, it can indicate one type of meaning versus another. And you get people doing that, right? So, like, there's individuals that bring out texts, um, I mean, like Muslims, right? They'll bring out texts and they'll say, like, um, they'll try to come from like a more of a perennialist perspective, right? That all religions are correct. Follow whichever one you want. All, you know, multiple paths up the up the mountain, as mm-hmm. they say, right? And they'll use verses of Quran for that, right? And so you see, this is what this means here. And linguistically, this means that there and so on and so forth. And so, you know, it's like, well, look, you know, <laughs> you can try to interpret it that way. It might make sense like that in English, but in Arabic, there's a whole nother, there's a whole nother ball game, right? Um, and then again, going back to, you know, the concept of like, what does revelation say and how has it been manifest and so on and so forth. So, yeah, the, the mountain metaphor is fine. It's like every, everyone's going to the same place. I'll accept that as long as the mountain's a volcano. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you say, well, there, there's multiple paths, but not all paths go to the top. <laughs> right, 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 right. So it's like, okay, as long as the mountain's Everest and we realize that, you know, a lot of people die trying right, to find that mountain. Right, right. right. A lot of us are frozen graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> becomes, if you actually start thinking through the metaphor, yeah. it becomes a lot less pleasant. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um. So, you know, people use, and amongst the Muslims as well, right, they'll, they'll use texts or even people of other faiths will use uh, te- text. You know, I mean, I'm sure like, uh, you know, Muslims will, in speaking to Christians, use texts from the Bible and whatnot and vice versa, right? Use texts from mm-hmm. the Quran and whatnot to kind of prove our own religions to the, the opposing side or whatever. Um, but, um, you know, the, the reality is that, look, you can use you can use these texts, but what was the true meaning and understanding of that by the individuals that it was revealed to and who it was revealed amongst, right? What did they pass on, right? What did they understand from that? Um, and that's, once we get into that, at least dealing when it comes to like the other Muslims and other sects within Islam that try to bring up these different, you know, ideas, you say that it's, you know, th- that's where the argument starts falling apart, right? Um, and so, you know, you had, and you had individuals from amongst the Muslims as well uh, centuries ago that, they didn't uh, hold issue with um, this type of like anthropomorphism and God manifest like the possibility. They never said he did it, but they said like it may have been possible. It would be possible for him to do it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, however, that was rejected by the overwhelming majority. Like that was re- pretty much rejected by everyone. Right. And and even those things were things that like Sunnis and Shias came together on, <laughs> right, <laughs> right? Right. which there's so many differences. If we're like, man, if the Sunnis and Shias are both agreeing on it, <laughs> like you know. <laughs> Right, pretty uniform. Right. Um, but yeah, I think, like, so, so, but again, I think this is the core of the discussion, right? Is that I remember I was at Speaker's Corner in London when I was like 16, mm-hmm. and the guy, and there's this guy talking to me. He was like, three is one? One is three? Your math is terrible. How did you people ever re- reach the moon? 
And it's like, okay, one <laughs> rocket, three stages. Uh, <laughs> but um, I didn't actually say that. That's what I wish I had said walking yeah. away from the conversation. But it's, I, th- I really think that's kind of missing the point, right? Because mm. fundamentally, I think that we, we just have different starting points. Yeah. And in the objective, you know, in the objective sense of things, you're right, not all paths can lead up the mountain. And it's important to go on a quest for what God actually, you know, actually has revealed. Mm-hmm. So on that note, right, somebody's asking themselves that question. Let's say the um, agnostic, um, you know, agnostic watching that. Um, what, what should they do to go figure out the nature of God? Right, because let's say yeah. you know, because I have my logical framework that comes from the scriptures. Right, you have your logical framework that comes from scholarly tradition, the Quran, the Sunnah. Right, right, and 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 they both approach these things immediately differently. Right, right. So speak to the sort of agnostic or the person who grew up Hindu. If you grew up Hindu, eh, I don't really believe there's lots of gods. There's probably something. What what's the deal, guys? Uh, how how would you what where where should their quest begin to figure out what God is actually like? Right. I mean, and that's where logic comes in. Right. So like you said, we have different starting points. Your basis is the the, the Bible and whatnot and, and the form that it's in now. And our basis is the Quran. Right. My basis is the Quran. And so you said we have different starting points. And so y- your logic is based off of what's there in front of you. And my logic is based on the Quran. So for the, the person who's like the third party, I guess. Right. They would have to end up applying that logic and, I, you know, <laughs> trying to uh, they'd have their own logic that isn't necessarily based on either of these. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And there will be obviously similarities and maybe how we speak to them and, and what we what resonates with them. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's what they would have to do. Right. But it, it, the thing is, like, it doesn't also it doesn't come from like simply from logic, right? There's so much more that has to be studied as well, right? So like when we look at the texts that, some of the texts that you mentioned, and when you bring them all together with that understanding and with that premise, then it show it it, it might seem to all kind of be together. But if we're looking at it from uh, the perspective that, hey, some of these are metaphorical and not necessarily, uh, they're metaphorical and manifestations of the power of God, so on and so forth, as opposed to like the physical nature, um, then it's you start separating some of those things out, right? Now I don't know for an agnostic, like you, I don't know what else they could say except <laughs> you'd have to read both and look at the logic, and and then in accordance to that, or in addition to that, is you'd have to study. Like we put a lot of emphasis on the study of the Prophet Muhammad and his life, right? And so many individuals, like they they became Muslim and they followed him, especially in his time, not because um, the Quran was something that convinced them. But because they just looked at him as the person and were like, this was a, an individual like this, like could not be like that was the greatest manifestation of of God, uh, of like the existence and power of God. Right. Was the messengership and the, the, the individual of the prophets and messengers. Right. And now what is he saying and what is he re, what is he what revelation is he bringing? Well, he's bringing the revelation that says right, all of these things that the Quran says. Um, and that's not to say that, like. Oh, well, if the, you know, like, because our belief is that Prophet Jesus will come back eventually, right? And that he is the Messiah and he is going to come back. And, you know, the whole concept of like the fault, the Antichrist or false mm-hmm. Christ, whatever you want to call him. Um, uh, and however, the difference is that, you know, like you have things in the Bible and some things that you mentioned of things that he'll say or do and whatnot. And many of those things we say that he will do as well. But then what path is he actually going to follow, right? And obviously, as a Muslim, we say, well, he's going to uphold what the Prophet Muhammad brought. 
right? Because they are the prophets and messengers were steps, um, a brotherhood that was all connected, not bringing anything different from, from each other. Uh, maybe certain like physical law aspects, right? Like outward law may have been different, but the concept, the theological concepts were the same amongst all of them. And that's what, that's what we believe as Muslims, right? So um, I want to put a pin in something you said real quick that, mm-hmm. that, I, that we don't have time to address now, but it's actually the subject of the next, next episode. Mm-hmm. You talked about uh, that you have the Quran, I have what's here in front of me. Yeah. There's a specific choice of words there, which I would <laughs> fundamentally disagree with. I, I, did, I didn't actually think about it. I just, uh, no, I, <laughs> I wasn't uh, but I, I know you know, I, I don't think you're trying to be kind of uh, yeah. petty about it. No, no. But, it's, but it is kind of part of the assumptions, right? That you, you, you have the assumption that through history, you have access to the sort of, sort of original Quran yeah. and that I, I do not, right? Yeah. Um, it's, a fun, it's, it's an assertion that I disagree with mm-hmm. and would have a specific argument against, mm-hmm. but people who want to see that have to see the next episode. Okay. <laughs> um, because honestly, honestly, I think almost all of it comes down to the preservation of the Bible in some ways, mm-hmm. right? Um, but we don't have to, we want to talk about the specific thing. Otherwise, yeah. if we if we don't have the discipline, every episode we ever did would just be about, has the Bible been corrupted? What's the <laughs> right. Quran about, right? Right. So we have to we have to have some discipline in that. Um, so, I guess my and also like I didn't mean any offense or anything. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I, it's just it, you physically have something in front of you, and for, I don't at the sure, moment. For sure, for sure, for <laughs> sure. But then yeah. also like to be honest, like my my uh, when I you know, and I'm not an expert on Christianity by any means. Um, you know, most of what I know about Christianity is, is through discussions with other individuals and mm-hmm. Christians and religious Christians and people of the church and whatnot. Um, and so. Uh, and the more I have discussions, the more I at least feel like, wait, am I like, am I talking about the like the Old Testament or the New Testament with with this individual? What's I feel like there's always like a either I'm not understanding or it's just not being conveyed to me. And so sometimes my choice of words and <laughs> that what you have in front of you is that because I don't want to say one thing and then negating something else that you're actually. <laughs> oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. sure. That would have been a helpful thing to outline because basically the first half, right? Yeah. We talked about the mystery. That's all Old Testament. Okay. So we're talking about uh, the Torah. We're talking about um, David, talking about the Psalms, talking mm-hmm. about Isaiah. Yeah. Those are all, uh, those are all sort of Old Testament. Okay. Right. And then anything with Jesus is New Testament. The okay. Testament, I don't know why we pick this word. It just means covenant, right? means agreement between yeah. uh, man and God, basically. Mm-hmm. Or the more more like, the, not that man is bargaining, but the basically the terms that God has set down for us. Right. Um, so, but talking to that agnostic, right? So let's let, let's both speak to them. Um, if they want to, you talk about reading both um, and finding the life of Muhammad compelling. Where does the agnostic go to go find out Muhammad's life, right? How? Where do they start? Where does the journey of learning begin? Well, there's it's so the we, we call it the Sira, which is uh, the refers to the life story of the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him. And so there's a plethora of books that have been written. There's a number of lectures online, um, and I think it's good to obviously also you know a lot of times people I feel like uh, at least those that I've spoken to when they jump into these types of things they say well let's look at what the Muslim the former Christian and now Muslim has to say and the former Muslim now Christian has to say. And that'll oftentimes be a starting point for people, at least that I've spoken to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important to look at, well, don't necessarily start with the person that left the religion. 
Right. Start with the one who's stu- stuck with the religion, yeah, <laughs> religion yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and even if it's even if it's somebody who like maybe they didn't associate with any religion, but then became one of them, I think that's still okay. But it, when somebody's left the religion, it's easy to say, well, you know, no, they're not being biased at all. But I think there will be some level. <laughs> right. Of and, that. and honestly, it's like um, I find with with um, you, you just you just kind of have a lot of the time just because someone's left a religion doesn't, doesn't mean they're an expert in it, right? Right. So you, you have people who just like don't, you know, know their stuff at all. Like right. I, I heard, I heard somebody who was like, and I've heard this in both ways, right? There was a, there was a president of a seminary, um, uh, a Christian seminary who claimed to be a former Muslim. Knew absolutely zero about Islam. Mm. Yeah. Right. And then I heard a Muslim scholar claiming to have been the Christian pastor claiming that Alexander the Great in Rome compiled the Bible at the Council of Nicaea. Hmm. It's like, <laughs> there's so many errors there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nicaea is a different place. The Bible was not compared there. Right. Alexander was not Roman, and it was 300 years like, yeah. right. so, so it's, you, you gotta, so, so yeah, you know, it, it may help to hear those stories, yeah. but, you know, somebody's story doesn't give them authority to speak truth, right? Right. You gotta, like, look for the truth itself and be prepared to yeah you know, follow the truth wherever it leads no yeah. matter how difficult it might be yeah and that won't always feel like the most compelling thing at the time right yeah so so going back to your question i mean i and that's why you know i agree with you <laughs> but going back to your, your question um to study the life of the prophet muhammad is to study the sirah uh which is just means like it's a term we use in arabic to refer to his life story so there's so many books and lectures and whatnot um and, and you just study that right and there's very lengthy ones there's shorter ones and whatnot um, because there's so much more work, right? When it comes to our theology, there's so much more than just like, for example, in Islam, just this concept of Tawheed, but like the concept of, okay, there's the concept of Tawheed, which is oneness in, in God. Um, but then all these different beliefs about the prophets and messengers and so on and so forth, right? What What's like, so for example, one thing that uh, Muslims and Christians disagree about is the concept of messengership and prophethood, right? right. And that we say that the prophets and messengers were infallible. Um, and they were divinely protected by God from committing these sins, right? There are slip-ups, there were mistakes, um, there was sometimes maybe choosing, like you have the best uh, plan of action, and then you have like a slightly, like not the best, right, but still a good plan of action. Sometimes there was choosing that, and, and so on and so forth. And so, but But really, like, they were not able to sin, they were protected from sinning. And so I know, like uh, in the in the Bible, there's a lot of stories about some of the things that the uh, prophets and messengers may have fallen into. Right. And as a Muslim, we say, well, those are not those are unfounded as far as as far as we're concerned. Like those things don't don't match up, right? So there's a lot that has to be studied and understood as opposed to just one simple concept, um, at least from an Islamic standpoint. And there are, you know, uh, it's not like you know, so you have to study for like 20 years before you can get an understanding, right? As we mentioned, that there's uh, there's the very simple level of, of understanding, um, which might work for a lot of people. And I think for most people, and then there's the in-depth level, right? And it's like a story that comes to mind is that somebody saw the Prophet Muhammad's uh, companion and the first caliph, Abu Bakr, uh, walking somewhere. And the person looked at him and was so like awestruck by him and taken by him that he went to me and said, I want to become like you. But this was a Bedouin. Now, in, in our old literature, when you refer to a Bedouin, it usually refers to somebody that's uncouth, uncultured, very just kind of straightforward and blunt, you know. And so there's a Bedouin, and he comes to Abu Bakr, and he says, I want to be like you. How can I be like you? But don't tell me anything too long, 
because I won't remember it. <laughs> so he says, okay, can you, you remember you have five fingers? He says, yes. He goes, okay, God is one. You pray five times a day. You fast in the month of Ramadan. You give out your two and a half percent alms and you uh, go for Hajj if you're able, right? And the guy was like, great. Because his question was, I want to be like you. How do I do that? He said, okay, you, you know, you obviously want to keep it very simple. Just do that and you're good, <laughs> right? So is that a specific story where the kind of concept of the five pillars specifically comes from? No, the, the five pillars, so there's a hadith um, of the Prophet Muhammad, which I'm not sure if I mentioned last time I was here, I may have. Um, and it's called the hadith of Jibril, the hadith of Gabriel, that there's a man that comes uh, to the Prophet Muhammad, and it's right towards the end of his life. Uh, and he asks him a series of questions. And the, so first he comes and he sits knee to knee with him, with the Prophet Muhammad, and the other companions are looking around, looking at this, and they're wondering, like, what's going on? Number one, he's dressed in, like, stark white clothing, and, you know, he, we don't recognize him, which means he should be a traveler, but his clothes should be disheveled and dusty and whatnot, yet they're not, so what's going on? Then he sits knee to knee, and he puts his hands on his thighs, and they're like, okay, this is a very intimate way to sit with someone you don't know, right? Um, and he asks him, what is, what is Islam? And the Prophet Muhammad gives him the answers of the five pillars, and then he says, you are correct. And the companions say, like, okay, why is he asking if he already knows the answer? He's affirming the answer. That's mm-hmm. also strange. Then he says, what is iman, right? What is faith? And the prophet gives him the six articles of faith, right? Like belief in the, the books and the, the angels and the last day and so on and so forth. And he says, you are correct. And he says, what is ihsan? And ihsan is like one of those untranslatable words, uh, perfection, uh, purification, excellence. And he says, to worship God as though you see him. And if you if you if you can't, then know that he sees you, right? And then he goes on and asks like signs of when is the day of judgment? What are the signs of the day of judgment? So on and so forth. And then he leaves. And the Prophet Muhammad asks the companions that do you know who that was? And they say you know Allah and His Messenger know best. And he says uh, that was the angel Gabriel. He came to teach you your religion. And so this was like in the last few months of the Prophet's life. Um, and it's, it's like, okay, here's, he's about to die. And now here's a summary, a comprehensive summary on Islam. And so, uh, obviously all those concepts were there and they're mentioned throughout the text of the Quran and the life of the prophet Muhammad, but like in a nutshell, that's what it was. And typically like when I go do an interfaith event, if I'm invited, you know, anywhere to speak about Islam, that's basically the hadith that I talk about, Mm -hmm. um, because it's, it's the quickest, most comprehensive. And where is that? Um, it comes in so many different books. Um, uh, the probably easiest access to it is uh, the 40 hadith of Imam Nawi. It will be the second the second hadith in there. Um, technically the first, depending on how you look at it, but it's the second hadith. But it comes in, I believe it's in Muslim um, and other hadith texts okay. as well. Right. Right. Okay, that's uh, Sahih Abukar and Sahih Muslim are the ones I've actually gone through. So those are the ones I'm sort of most yeah. familiar with. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. The, the 40 hadith Imam Nawi is like, he he's basically took these 40 hadith and it's actually 42, but he takes these hadith and he says, uh, let's give a comprehensive approach in your entire life as a Muslim. What it. are the things that are important? And so he takes these hadith from other larger collections and he puts them. So that'll probably be the easiest access to it. Um, so I feel like I have to give my part of the answer to the sort of searching agnostic, but then I have another question for you. Mm-hmm. But so for the sort of searching agnostic listening and they want to figure out, you know, what the, what the nature of God is. And I think, uh, I just do my due diligence, right? I would look at, um, the words of the Bible. I would read the gospel, the gospels, uh, 
by by Jesus. You know, if you want to start from the beginning, start from the book of Genesis, start with the Torah and go all the way through. If you run out of momentum in some of the harder parts to read, jump to Jesus. Hmm. Um, and then once you've once you've read Jesus and if you find him compelling, go <laughs> go check out the earlier stuff again and just and just sort of, you know, quest for how has God revealed himself in history through the prophets and um I, you know by all means look into islam as well and just you know look at all the truth and 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 ask god for revelation and see what see what shows up right so you mentioned uh something about the prophets right um so let's take a concrete example of this and it's one i'm really curious about because it's something i um so it, one of the stories in the bible that's recorded in two different places in the bible one in the prophet samuel and the other in the writings of David himself mm-hmm. is this adultery uh, David commits with mm-hmm. another man's wife, right? A woman called Bathsheba, where he um, where he commits it, where he, he sees her bathing on the roof, commits adultery with her, and then sort of basically positions her husband in the battle to the extent that he's killed, right? And then mm-hmm. she gets pregnant, and uh, and then uh, David is confronted by the prophet Nathan about what he's done and basically the prophet Nathan says I've got it there's a matter that requires your attention there's one man who has a hundred sheep um, and you know, he's rich and then there's another man who lives next to him who has one ewe lamb that he treats like a daughter sleeps with him in his bed and then the rich man had somebody coming over and he slaughtered he took he stole the poor man's ewe lamb and uh, slaughtered it um, give to his guest. It says Dave was very angry, and he says, um, "You know, whoever, whoever has done this deserves to die. He's going to repay fourfold what he's taken." Um, and then Nathan says, "Oh, you are the man. Mm-hmm. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. Mm-hmm. He gave you his master's house and his kingdom, and all these things. And I would have given you as much more. Why then have you done what is evil in the sight of the Lord by committing adultery?" And then David repents. Psalm 51 is all about that, sort of asking God to create him a clean heart, to take his sins from him. And David is ultimately forgiven. Mm-hmm. Um, but it leaves a sort of dark legacy on his kingdom, which ends with the kingdom splitting, kind of ripples through everything. And w- one thing I noticed in the Quran is it mentions, it seem- it, again, from the outside reader, it seemingly references that story because it talks about David being confronted about the ewe lambs and David says I've surely you know transgressed where, where is that I was hoping you'd know <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to have to send you that okay um, I will send you that later today sure yeah because I, I've, lo- I've looked at it multiple times mm-hmm. I know I'm not making it up mm-hmm. but it's a specific story that's referencing David and the ewe lambs right yeah. Again, and if you're going with the background of David and Bathsheba, um, then it would the, the the natural reading would be oh, it's referencing this story. Mm-hmm. So it it almost seems like the the Quran itself almost like had didn't have like a problem with that the idea of that being part of the prophet's life, but it was almost like this later theological construct that sort of came back on that. Yeah, I, I don't I don't recall that uh, specifically, but um, uh, there are I have noticed like there are certain references right to that there there are certain references to certain things 
in the Quran, but the Quran itself doesn't highlight what took place, right? Right, right. And right, then right. you that's where you got to look at the commentaries of the Quran and the hadith of the Prophet Muhammad relating to certain matters and so on and so forth. And then coming back to this whole okay, what are the principles of our religion that we look the the, the lens that we look through things, right? Um, and you'll find certain things being referenced. Um, but then again, it comes back to, well, what is our belief in the past scriptures? Have they been altered? So on and so forth. And is this a point where it's referencing something, but is there some ambiguity there? Right. And in the narrations of the past scriptures, like what are they focusing on and what are they translating? And then the, re- the dependability of that uh, uh, thing and whatnot. You know, so, for example, like, you know, on a maybe to give a better understanding of it, um, if you study like Sunni and Shia uh, texts and some of the differences, right? We find that there's points in history that, like, they just occurred. Certain things happened amongst the companions, even in front of the Prophet Muhammad, and it happened, and that was kind of the end of it. Now, as a Sunni, right? And I, I you know, I don't mean any like offense or anything towards any Shias or whatnot, but as a Sunni Muslim, um, it's like there, there sometimes points in history that may have been ambiguous, not because they were intentionally ambiguous, but it's just because like it's just an event that happened and people moved on, then those are being focused on and all these other ideas and narrations end up coming up around it. And it's just like, okay, where is all this kind of coming from, right? So sometimes uh, um, that may be the case and so on and so forth. I don't recall the specific uh, verses that you're referring to. But yeah, send me that and I'll take a look yeah, at it. I'll send you that. I will also post it in the uh, in, in the links in the description as well for anyone else who wants to look it up. Mm-hmm. I'm just conscious. I don't want people to think I'm making it up because yeah. I'm not. Uh, um, so I'll I'll send that I'll send that to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, again, I think all this goes to the sort of nature of revelation, right? Because um, again, in the sort of the Islamic framework, you have you basically you know you have humans, um, messengers, prophets, angels, and then God, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas in Whereas in the Bible, you know, you'd have all humans who are sinful and your prophets would be forgiven sinners who speak because God has spoken through them. And in fact, at times, there's times when evil men who are doing the wrong thing, God forces them to speak his words, mm-hmm. right? That, that God isn't constrained to use holy vessels. Right. He at times will bring about his words through through evil men right as well right men who are not going to be with god right who are his enemies right that he forces to speak on his behalf right and that's happens through the nature of the holy spirit which is you know an angel and the angels exist different exist in the old testament differently mm-hmm. and there's a distinction between the spirit of god and the messengers mm-hmm. and whereas in islam you have sort of, again different framework right right so essentially you gotta, you gotta, you gotta study it for yourself and figure out which framework you think is true, yeah, and and how God has actually revealed Himself. Right, right, yeah, and you know, I think like whenever I have discussions with Christians and whatnot, you know, usually like the discussions, I I never have like argumentative discussions, like, uh, and I think it's probably just because of the perspective, like when you're invited to something like this or even invited to a church, it's it's like you know, it's not a hostile environment, right? right? It's the person that stops me on the side of the street, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That's like kind of gets in your face and whatnot. Um, and, and you know, what we always say is like, look, you know, obviously we have our different frameworks and of, of years of being brought up in this way as well, right? Um, that, 
at least we can we can we all believe in a in that supreme being that is God, right? That we can at least pray to that God for truth and to guide us towards whatever truth that is. Right. Does that happen to you, or like, or as a regular thing, people stop you on the street, and be like, "Hey, you have a beard and a and the turban. Do you know that Jesus is God? You want to fight about yeah. that?" Uh, you know, it's it's not like it's it's like common and often, but it's it like once in a while, right? They'll just somebody will just stop and and start, you know, preaching and whatnot. But usually, like, I mean, I'm dressed like this most of the time, right? Yeah, so yeah, you yeah, can yeah. tell, like, okay, this is some kind of like figure. Like, is this the guy of the the mosque or something, right? So their approach will won't whereas whereas before like when I wasn't dressing this way so much I'd just be out in jeans or whatever it was more of like hey here's a pamphlet um you know what do you you know have you thought about x y and z when I'm dressed like this that's like the 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 framework of the question just seems a little bit different <laughs> right there's there's that doesn't happen to me often either but occasionally it does and the last time it happened is there's this guy with an ice cream truck mm-hmm. who sells bad expensive ice cream yeah and tells people to convert to islam okay if you're pro tip for the ice cream guy if you're going to do that better ice cream cheaper prices <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, it's like, how much of this spicy mango lollipop five dollars read the quran convert to islam next <laughs> strange <laughs> there's, there's all sorts of bizarre characters on this world right right so, right we, so hopefully the hostile street people are not the <laughs> yeah. not our representatives. Right, right. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, just for my own clarification. So like, uh, and I through these types of discussions, I came to like observe this. Like I used, I, and I think a lot of Muslims at least uh, do this. That when we refer to Christianity, we refer to like uh, all the different sects, right? So, and and we include like Protestants and Catholics under that framework, but. Uh, the more Protestants that I speak to, I've they've said, well, Catholic, they're Catholic, they're not Christian. So if you could explain like that kind of concept from the Protestants angle, um, yeah. uh, in, you know, in maybe a nutshell or whatever, <laughs> which time you have. And then also just like, you know, you have so many different churches, like you get the Protestants and the Methodists and like Lutherans and so on and so forth. What is like a difference between them that makes them a different, like, are they, are they considered different sects or? So, so um, yeah, that's a great question. So I explain it this way, right? So the you kind of have the early church, right, which is a sort of persecuted underground movement, and then once it gets established, right, in 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 the sort of general Roman Empire and beyond, you you have kind of one you kind of have one movement, um, at least one major movement. You have like splinters even then, mm-hmm. but then you have you know one sort of major movement, and then ten fifty four you have this something called the Great Schism, which is the di- division between Roman Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy, okay. right? And that is primarily about, it's not just this, but it's primarily about who should be in charge of all Christians everywhere, okay. right? The Roman Catholics are going to say the bishop in Rome is going to be the, the, the in charge of all Christians everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas in the Eastern Orthodoxy, you're going to say, no, the bishops in general should be in charge of Christians everywhere, right? So you can have one unified leadership structure. Is it supposed to be a plurality of guys? It's supposed to be one guy. So um, the Protestant movement is basically the argument um, that actually the Bible does not say that anyone should be in charge of all Christians everywhere, that the scriptures themselves should be in charge of all Christians everywhere. And because we've lost that, lots of 
weird ideas have crept in that are not found in the Bible, mm-hmm. right? So the idea of Protestant Reformation is to scrape off these kind of barnacles of tradition mm-hmm. that have grown up over time and test everything by the scriptures themselves, right? right. And then, um, then you then I then I have liberal Christianity that comes in. Again, it manifests in various ways. The main form that you see today, you see a church waving a rainbow flag, etc. Um, you that would come from sort of the 1800s in in Germany, right? Which would say, well, actually, the Bible is just man's words about God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, therefore, you know, man and his spiritual state, man is the ultimate authority about God, right? We're not one man somewhere, kind of every every man mm-hmm. if they're yeah. sincere, right? Yeah. Okay, so. so Along those lines, you have divisions, right? Um, so, the, so that's kind of Roman Catholicism, Protestantism, liberalism, Eastern Orthodoxy, right? Now, within Protestantism, you would have different denominations, which, and I would basically compare those to the the sort of uh, four sort of Sunni, um, the schools of thought, the, the, school, the schools of thought, right? Yeah. Um, so, if you go to a Baptist church and a Presbyterian church, they're both Bible believing. Mm-hmm. Um, then one thing that would be different is they would believe baptism is something that you kind of inherit through families, right? You baptize your children uh, in the hope that they become a believer. Baptists are going to say that, no, you wait till they make a profession of faith and then baptize them, Mm -hmm. right? So there's a difference in practice, Mm -hmm. but fundamentally we don't, we're not saying that um, the baptism itself saves somebody. It's when you do this specific ritual, right? So, we we have different churches, but there's not like animosity, right? Okay. It's not like we're the true Christians; they're the false Christians. Okay. Um, with Roman Catholicism, um, we would uh, in in liberalism we'd say that is not true Christianity because they do not acknowledge Jesus as Lord, mm-hmm. right? You can't call somebody Lord and ignore what they've actually said, yeah, right? right? You're disobeying, right? right, right. Um, Jesus says, "If you love me, you'll obey my command." Yeah. So if you say, "Yeah, Jesus is great. I just don't like the things he said," right? right? You're not a Christian, right? Right. Okay. Um, with Roman Catholicism, the the central issue in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, right, is that what it's encouraging people to do is to trust in their own good works. Um, they, so in Roman Catholicism, the idea is Jesus' death on the cross um, made everybody sort of savable, right? So it's kind of like wipes puts everyone on the same playing field. So that if you do enough good works, you can be right with God, okay. right? Whereas the Bible says Jesus died once for all sins, right? He says it is finished on the cross. The idea that Jesus pays for his people once and for all. So in Catholicism, it's faith plus works, okay. right? And it means that you've got to believe and you've got to do good works. And if you do enough good works, then you'll go into heaven without having to go into purgatory. Um, and... The Bible does not mention purgatory. It doesn't talk about this. It talks about faith is how we're saved, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say anybody, the Bible says, somebody who's trusting in their works and not purely in God's mercy having purchased them Mm -hmm. doesn't know Jesus, right? Now, that's what the, and so what the Roman Catholic doctrine teaches is fundamentally a false gospel, a false message of good news, right? That if people are trusting in it, they will not they are not made right with god right 
But also, you could be somebody in a Protestant church, claims to believe all the same things, but in in your heart, you still trust in your own goodness to save you, yeah. rather than believing you're a sinner and 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 requesting God's mercy. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't be right with God either. Conversely, you could be a Roman Catholic who like is just not paying attention. He's like texting your friend throughout you know the times when they're saying, and if you do these good works, you won't spend any time in purgatory and. Yeah. Right, and and they just kind of like acknowledge the Bible, and they say, "Oh yeah, I trust in Jesus to help me." Then, then they'll they'll be made right with him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, salvation isn't found by belonging or not belonging to a specific group. Right. It's found in Jesus, mm-hmm. but specific ideas will cut you off from knowing him. Right? Ideas yeah. have consequences. Yeah. Um, and and God is merciful, right? right. So, um. Just because so I believe biblical Christianity, right? Christianity, which finds its source in the Bible alone, I believe that's true Christianity. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean everyone who professes to believe that truly belongs to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and doesn't mean everyone who belongs to a group that holds a bad idea doesn't mean they consistently follow some of those bad ideas. But ultimately, mm-hmm. somebody must trust in Jesus' death and resurrection to be saved. They must root their authority in the words God has actually given us. Okay. So the Roman Catholics basically say that um, uh, Jesus, his crucifixion um, was there as an atonement. However, you still have to do righteous deeds on top of that. Whereas Protestants say that the, his, his death on the cross was sufficient. Yes. Um, but then you still have to obey him. Yeah. Okay. Right. You, still, you, you have to obey, but not because, you know, you have to kind of make up works to the end to heaven, but because you're part of the family now, right? Yeah. So, you know, when you have a, when you have, a, with your kids, right, with my kids, they don't obey me so they can become my kids. Mm-hmm. They obey me because they are my kids. Right. Right. And right. because I love them, I want what's best for them. Right. Um, and that's kind of the premise of Protestant Christianity is that, do you have, do you have to obey? Yes. But why? Mm. Right. Is it because you've got this, you know, guillotine of hell hanging over your neck if you don't do enough? No, it's not. It's because... God loves you. Mm. He wants you to represent him in the world and he wants what's good for you. Right. And if you truly have this transformation, then you will live this way. Okay. And so then in, from a Protestant Protestant perspective, if you uh, if you do disobey, then you have the concept that God is merciful. Right. Okay. Yeah. So so in Islam like it's it's like um, our we have to do righteous deeds. Um, however, God is still merciful. <laughs> so right. in the, uh, and it's not, you know, it's, it's not, like I mentioned in the beginning, it's not that uh, God needs our worship. We need our worship. So we do righteous deeds in order to bring uh, illumination to our hearts. And that enables us to do more righteous deeds. But at the end of the day, we don't know if any of those deeds will be accepted by God um, or which of those will be accepted. And really it's just one of them that he might use as a means to say, you have attained my mercy and I've overlooked all your other uh, shortcomings and sins and whatnot. And so that's why we have that concept of like asking forgiveness and, and mercy. And similarly, like you said, you know, and this is what I say, like whenever I'm uh, our Islamic school presentations and whatnot, I say, look, I, I don't want any child growing up being asked, why do you pray to say, because I don't want to burn in hell. <laughs> I want the child saying, because I love Allah, mm-hmm. right? Because I want to please him, you know? Um, yeah. So those kind of, I, I feel like both, both a part of both concepts that you mentioned kind of resonate with what uh, how we kind of view certain things. For sure, it's just it's just a matter of um, the timing, right? Because so I, I noticed this when I was like um, reading about 
to revenge in Islam, right? Mm-hmm. Because the idea in the Quran and the Hadith is um, revenge, it's better not to get revenge because you may be rewarded for not getting revenge when you stand in front of Allah, mm-hmm. right? In the Bible, the the existing assumption, forgiveness is already assumed and is therefore you must not get revenge, mm-hmm. right? So again, the same basic sort of economic equation there yeah. of why revenge is not a good idea. Mm-hmm. But one is based on hope for future forgiveness. One, The other is based in a assumption of existing forgiveness, mm-hmm. right? So... All it's 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 it's, it's all, all basically like when the forgiveness happens, right. right? Is it a hopeful thing that you're hoping you'll get? Is it a definite thing that already exists? Mm-hmm. Right, right, okay. So, um, so like you said, like when it comes to Protestants and Lutherans and Baptists, it's kind of more of like an application of certain rituals or the method of of application, as opposed to like really being like a different theological sect. And, and, you know, you'll have okay. some differences in theolo- theology, like, um, say, Methodists and Presbyterians will have some differences on predestination. Okay. But I mean, I'm sure you have like technical differences. Technical differences, okay. Okay. Stuff, stuff like that. Um, but not like, but not to the extent that you're going to, they're going to walk into each other's congregations and like, hey, we don't think you're real Christians. Okay. Um, you know, you for sure get the guy and, you know, rural Arizona somewhere who like thinks that everyone who doesn't go to a 16 person Baptist church is not a true Christian. Right. For sure. You'll find those people Hmm. again, as you will in Islam, you'll find, you can find anything on the internet. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But in general, right. The, 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 the Baptist, the Presbyterian, the Methodist, the Lutheran are going to say, yeah, uh, if they're trusting in Jesus, um, and they, and they believe in him, um, We'll, we'll, we we trust that there are true brothers and sisters in the faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Roman Catholics, is like if they're consistent with the Roman Catholic catechism, then no, mm-hmm. they have a different faith fundamentally. Okay. If they're inconsistent with it, hooray! Welcome to the family. Right? Yeah. It's 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 that kind of okay. thing. And right? so then, what what is the belief from a Protestant perspective on uh, Roman Catholics? Like, if they die in that state, then will they uh, eventually have a salvation through forgiveness or through um, punishment or something like that, or no, that's no, just, okay. It's just um, again, if you're not trusting in, G- if you're trusting in your own works, mm-hmm. and you're not trusting in the finished work of Jesus, then yeah, then there's none. So the, the, in fact, there's a whole book in the New Testament that's um, about this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a whole there's a whole verse that yeah. there's so when so the New Testament is mostly written to Jewish people who have come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, right? Mm-hmm. And the message is that you trust in Jesus and you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And there's a gr- group called the Judaizers who are trying to convince these Gentiles who have come to faith, these non-Jews who have come to faith, that in order for you to be saved, you need to um, repent, believe in Jesus. And you also need to circumcise yourself mm-hmm. in order to declare yourself part of the sort of Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And Paul is saying that that they they are those people who do that fundamentally fundamentally cut off from faith in Jesus because they're in t- they're trusting in works yeah. and not in faith. And then uh, more more you said, you you mentioned Mormons earlier. So Mormons then from a Catholic and Protestant view are both both will say like they're not Christian. Is that no, correct? Right, right. Because okay. you know from is he even more fundamentally than that, right? Because Catholics yeah. would believe in the Trinity and one God, right? Um, but but 
Mormons, right, are, are not even monotheists. Hmm. They believe in an infinite number of gods echoing through reality. Okay. Right? So Islam and Christianity are closer to each other than Mormonism hmm. and Christianity are. Okay. Because, um, because again, monotheism is the sort of central tenet. Right. Right. So right. If, you, if you have, if you have, you know, God is a sort of like a small g God of this little universe, which is one of a bajillion for infinite time, then again, that's, that's no longer the same premise. It starts with one God who is, you know, God over everything. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There's just some questions I had. Cause I, even like I would go to certain churches to present on Islam and I would, I, I would refer to certain beliefs and they were Catholic beliefs and I was, and I would say Christians and everyone kind of looked a little like, what is he talking about? And then they, and I would, ask for affirmation and they'd say well those are catholics that's when i started thinking like maybe i'm not understanding this thing yeah, yeah, <laughs> correctly yeah. well and especially here in like seattle yeah the amount of like actual roman catholics you're going to be encountering here mm-hmm. is going to be pretty minimal yeah um so you know, if you're on the east coast you're in like you know boston or you know new york or something mm-hmm. you'll get what you get way more roman catholicism yeah. but it's a pretty small presence out here right, right. so most of the people, most of the people you're going to meet in Seattle are either going to be, um, like, liberal theologically, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. the all pathway to heaven type crowd, or they're going to be the evangelical Protestant type. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so evangelicals, then what? Where does the term evangelicals come in? Evangelical is just sort of like a historic term to think. Think when we talk about Protestant Christianity versus liberal Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. Liberal Christianity would still take the title of pro- a lot of them would still take the title of protestant because they want to be connected to the history right yeah evangelical would be taking the bible literally uh, at least the sort of crazy parts literally right it doesn't mm-hmm. mean there's no poetry or any nuance but in general yes we believe god actually created the first man and woman we believe jesus actually died and rose from the dead that sort of thing mm-hmm. right rather than well, yeah it's a metaphor for something okay. Sort of, right okay, okay. And, and these are actually god's words yeah. these aren't just humans attempt to understand god god's actually spoken through the prophets and the scriptures mm-hmm. okay okay good to know sorry i don't know if that's off topic but no, <laughs> i was just something i was curious that, about that's why it's the after show man <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's those off topic things yeah well it seems to be a great place to wrap it up yeah um thank you so much for coming on yeah thank you for having me again um and we'll do this again um, yeah and thank you guys for listening we'll see you soon all right thank you